0: Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Great to be at City Hills today. I'm so glad to be here. If I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Todd, and uh, I appreciate the kind words that Pastor Mitch mentioned a little bit ago. It's great to be back in balmy San Antonio. 46. I checked a moment ago, 46. I'll just tell you straight up, y'all are soft. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. I am. And I understand we're going to be like 80 in like next few days, right? May have to stick around a few days, you know? I'm glad to be at City Hills. I am so just grateful for what God is doing. And just to be able to see the hand of God upon this house is an amazing thing. It really is. Just to be able to see the fact that, When we step into this place today, I remember the the shell of a building. I remember no walls in this this space that we're in now. I remember no building on the field those days and the schools and all the places that we've been over the years. And I just want to say as someone external who's cheering loudly, this is good ground. This is really good ground. And I so appreciate what God is doing at City Hills. I appreciate your pastors Mitch and Brandy are the best they come. I really believe that. And I know you believe that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I so appreciate the chance to be with them. They're always so kind to me and to Brenda and our family. And the fact is, I really just came to be with Hazel and Henry. I mean, that's the bottom line. I always enjoy being with the children. Thank you, Julie and Brody and Kevin, for your hospitality. I appreciate that as always. And to the trustees and the Dream Team folks and everybody, I'm just so grateful. Uh, this place is a very special place. And I don't know your pastor says it often, but I want to echo what he says. The best is straight ahead. I really believe that. The best is ahead of us. And I'm excited about Easter. It's going to be a great time. Three services. How I many of you are going to be at the 8 o'clock service? Come on, coffee drinkers. Yeah, there you go. It's going to be a great Sunday. Set your clocks already. It's going to be a big time. I remember specifically talking to Pastor Mitch uh, probably, well, many years ago now. And I knew that he and Pastor Brandy were getting ready to make that jump into starting a church. We had talked a lot about it throughout the years. And I remember him uh, calling one day, and we were talking about just whatever. He said, hey, bro, we're going we're gonna to start the church. I said, great. I said, where are you going to start? He said, we're going to start in Bernie. I said, Bernie? Never heard of Bernie. I said, where's that at? He said, San Antonio area. I said, that's fantastic. And to see what God has done since that time. Would you just say praise God with me? (laughs) Praise God. He's done great things, and he's doing fantastic stuff, and I'm so glad that you made that decision. Thank you for doing that, and thank you all for being a part of that vision. Again, I want to say this is good ground. And if you're new to City Hills, you made a really good choice in being here today. Not just because I'm here. That has nothing to do with it. Just the fact of the church and being a part of God's family. Let's look at the Bible together. Psalm 73. If you got a copy of the Bible with you, would you take that copy and open it up? If you have a device, just tap loudly. Let us know you're following along. Psalm 73. And we're going to read the first few verses of that psalm. While you're getting that handy... I want to also say that I just so appreciate what we've heard the last couple of weeks. The voice of God is a vital thing for us to understand. And if you were here two weeks ago, you remember we were introduced to what the voice of God is and how do we hear God's voice. We were reminded that God's voice is best received in a prepared environment, a good place, a pure heart. We heard last week of God's personal voice and how he often speaks to us in different ways, things like encouragement. And warnings and even direction and dreams. and So we're going to continue the series today, and uh, I trust it will be a help to you. Psalm 73, beginning with verse number 1, a psalm of Asaph. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fat. Isn't that an amazing description? Their hearts overflow with follies. Verse 8, they scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, verse 10, his people, those people that he identified in the first verse, those people, his people, turn back to them and find no fault in them. Verse 11, and they say, those are the scoffers, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches, all in vain, the writer says, Asaph says, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. And then he wraps up in verse 16 kind of this, this summary of his current state looking at all of this stuff when he says this. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task, a wearisome task. I'd like us to pray, and as we do, I think what we're going to find in Psalm 73 are several voices that are unique, not just to Psalm 73, but to us today. Voices that, if you'll go with me for a moment this morning, you'll identify our voices that maybe you have, and certainly I have, experienced hearing from time to time. And being able to distinguish those voices helps us in our life and specifically our walk with God. I want to help you a little bit with that today from this psalm. Let's pray one more time. Would you just maybe set your Bible down or your phone down and just uh, free up your hand, maybe slip one hand up and just offer the message to the Lord today. Would you do that with me, Father? We just now lift up our hearts again and we ask God that the word that has been spoken a long time ago and written for our benefit would come alive today The words in the Bible would jump off the pages, jump off the device deep in our heart, Lord. And your voice that was spoken and inspired by the Holy Spirit, that he will have his way in our life. Speak truth to us today, Lord. Thank you for doing that. Let every heart here be pointed toward Jesus Christ. We thank you in the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing and reading with me. I do want to mention, just, and I forgot to mention this earlier, but this is not related to the message specifically, but about uh, two months ago, I wrote a book, and it came out for the first time, and I'm really excited about it. So to all the parents that are here today, if you're a parent of a little one, an infant, an elementary-aged child, a teenager, a tweenager, if you're like me and your kids have grown up and now they're on their own, it'll still benefit you, I'd love to put this book in your hands. It's called We're Going to Make It. Is there any parent who would love to know that's true? We are going to make it, and in this book, it's not a long book, about 80 pages or so. You can read it in one day, in fact, and it'll just help encourage you and lift you up as a mom or a dad, give you some tools and things to think about, and just add it to your tool belt of being a parent. It's a challenge to be a parent. I want to help you a little bit, and uh, specifically in the book, chapter 10, I always like to note that because it's letters that I've written to my two girls over the years. I've been a dad for 22 years now, and throughout those years, I've written some letters to my children and things like how you navigate through puberty. And I I specifically wrote a letter to one of my girls about that and how to navigate college and the expenses and finances and all that good stuff. And I included those letters in there. So if that's something you'd be interested in, I think in the lobby, there should be some more copies. If not, you can uh, simply ask, and I'll help you find out where those are. It's on Amazon. If you want to search that, it'll be there as well. So, all right, enough of that. Look at Psalm 73 with me. We read in Psalm 73 of the writer himself, and he has identified right off the bat in the first verse, in one of those kind of summary kind of statements before we get into the verse itself, the man's name is is Asaph. Asaph was a, a choir leader, a choral leader in the time of King David and King Solomon. He wrote, in fact, 12 of the 150 Psalms in the Bible. He even sang at the dedication of Solomon's temple and so when we're reading Psalm 73 we're reading the lyrics of a song written by this Asaph and in this 73rd song or psalm we discover not only the lyrics of that composer's writing but also I believe as I mentioned before the the voices that certainly he experienced in that lyric but also the voices that we ourselves from time to time find ourselves navigating through and trying to understand to a greater degree. Now, sometimes uh, speakers ask questions they already know the answer to, and this is one of those that's coming up right now. Ready? Here we go. Have you ever thought or pondered something, and as you did, you thought to yourself, now, is this God, or is it me, or is it the devil? Is there anyone that would be courageous enough to slip a hand up and say, yeah, I've, I've lived in that neighborhood before? Yeah, I, I have too. And you wonder, like, how do I understand what it is that I'm experiencing or that I'm pondering? I want to help you today, help you understand some of those differences and those, those those ideas behind that. Because with understanding, notice with me, with understanding, there's some things that happen. With that comes peace. Uh, with discernment of voices comes confidence and with insight there comes Stability and so I'll ask another question that I know the answer for is there anyone here that could use some peace and confidence and Stability in your life. I want to help you with that if at all possible how to recognize God's voice more clearly the big idea of the message is real simple and that is that God has an Accent and when we recognize it confidence comes I believe God wants us to recognize his voice. I really do. And I think God speaks with an accent. I really do believe that. I was reminded of that a couple, three weeks ago. My wife and I were at a church in outside New Orleans, Louisiana, in Houma, and it's south Louisiana, Cajun country, if you're familiar with that area. And we were there on a Saturday afternoon before the Sunday service that we were going to be at. And we decided to go to an antique store just to kick around a little bit. And, And we walked into this antique store off the main drag of this small little town. We walked in. There was a very nice man standing there at the front door, obviously a worker there at the antique store. He said, hello. I said, hello, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing good. I had just said that. I hadn't said anything more. And his next phrase to me was, y'all ain't from around here, are you? I said, no, sir, I'm not. And I explained I was from way up north. I'm Yankee territory, way up north. fact is, all of us, to a degree, I'm sure, speak with a bit of accent. I think, I think God himself. In his word speaks to us. So look at Psalm 73 with me. The very first verse, again, identifies the composer or the speaker. But then notice the first word of the first verse of Psalm 73. The first word that Asaph speaks is the word truly. In other words, Asaph begins this psalm by starting out saying Here is some truth. So Asaph, what what is it that's truth? He identifies it for us. Truly, God is good to his people, especially those who possess a pure heart. Now, let me just hit the pause button and say, City Hills, I believe that's true. I believe God is good to his people. Now, he was speaking, of course, to God's people, Israel, but I believe by application we can appropriate that for ourselves. God is good to his people and those that have a pure heart. But then don't miss the first word of the second verse. The same writer, Asaph, says, but as for me, my feet almost stumble, my steps had nearly slipped. And then watch why it happened. Keep reading verse three. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity. Of the wicked, the verse 5 says it this way, they're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. I think one of the characteristics or the main attributes of one of these voices is our own voice. And let me share with you what I think oftentimes that voice sounds like for us. We have this thick comparison accent to our voice. We tend, don't we, to compare ourselves among ourselves. Now, I, I hear... It's my understanding. We have this thing in Maryland called the Internet. And I think it's here in Texas, I'm pretty sure. And in the, on the Internet, the World Wide Web, in Maryland, we can go to this thing called social media. Have you heard of that here in Texas? Of course you have. I believe that in social media, some of you all checked your social media today like I did. If you pull up Instagram, I could ask you to do it right now, but don't do it right now. You pulled up Instagram, there should be a warning next to Instagram. There should be something that pops up every time you open up Instagram. It should say something like, things are not as they appear. Is there anyone here, now don't answer this one out loud, anyone here ever looked at Instagram or Facebook or whatever other social media you're a part of and you looked at it and you thought to yourself, man, they got it together. Man, my life's boring. Is there anyone that, again, don't put your hand up. I'll put my hand up on that. And it doesn't matter what you're looking at. Your life, your church, your job, your family. There is an accent to our voice that so strongly speaks comparison. Did you catch it with Asaph? Look at that verse again. For I was envious when I saw what the wicked were doing. Now, I want to just say it the way I have it in my notes here. It's real simple. It's not unique to me, but listen to me carefully. What we see isn't all there is. Let me say it again, City Hills. I want you to grab it with your heart. What we see is not all there is. Here's another fact. No one knows the whole story. We can look around us, and we can see this and that and that person and this person, but the fact of the matter is we don't drill down to the very foundation. We don't know what that looks like. We can't see all the things that are going on, and yet we tend to compare so often. And here's what's dangerous about that. An opinion that is based upon incomplete perception can rob us of the peace that is available from a sovereign God. God is over everything. But here's what we tend to do. We take their moment in life and we look at it and compare it to our whole effort and it brings us down. Is there anyone that would raise your hand just a little bit and say, I've done that before. Sure, it's natural to us. We compare ourselves and Asaph did it himself. But to Asaph... (laughs) I would remind him, I know that the wicked are prospering. You can read it in Psalm 73. He details how they're prospering, what they look like, what they're doing that's not getting any, anything against them. But he said, I would remind Asaph, I know they're prospering, but don't forget that God plays a long game. Amen. God is the God. He's the master of Matthew 25. He's gone away for a long time, but he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to turn to the people that he's gifted some things to. And he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on, City Hills. It's easy to compare. But if you'll just take one step today and one step on Monday and one step on Tuesday, don't pay attention to everybody else. You just live for God. You bring your family to the house of God and watch what God does. It's so easy to compare, but as we do, we're unwise because we don't see the whole picture. I think it's why the apostle said to a group of believers in Galatia, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Now, uh, I want to just be real clear and candid with you. People speaking are not immune to this at all. As a pastor, I I used to... Mondays were one of the worst days. You know why? Because I would look at everybody else. And I was so invested in our church and what maybe went right and what didn't go right. And I'd look at it on Monday and think... Everybody else didn't have those issues, but we don't know the whole story. And the measurement of our success is not the quick. The measurement of our success with God is the long game. It's the faithfulness. It's the going boring day after day after day. And in the end, God will look at those people and say, well done. Comparison is so easy for us. It's what our voice is accented by. We need to understand that, work for that. But it's not the only voice that we hear at times. We also can at times hear the enemy's voice. Asaph did. He literally heard the voice of the wicked. And I, I believe with all my heart that, that the enemy of our soul, and we do have an enemy of our soul. We do. I, I believe most of you believe that, but if you don't, let me just encourage you. You do have an enemy, an adversary. And he will war against everything God has for your life. He wants nothing more for you to be in a different place in your life. Away from the presence of God. And he has a voice. And Satan speaks fluent confusion. Everything about the accent of the adversary is one of confusion. I want to prove it to you. Genesis chapter 3. First time we're introduced to the adversary in the form of a serpent. A serpent. This is the first thing he did to humanity. Now, the serpent, verse 1 of chapter 3 of Genesis, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, the first four words that are indicated in the scriptures that the enemy said, here it is, did God actually say? He called into question with the first four words of his doing the very words of God himself. But it wasn't just the Old Testament. Luke chapter 4 says that that adversary approached none other than Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, chapter 4, verse 1 of Luke, returning from Jordan. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and for 40 days was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. But then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become... How do we identify the accent of the adversary? His accent is one of confusion. If you and I walk in such a way that life becomes more confusing, or we hear things in our spirit and our heart, and it leads us to a place of confusion, it probably is because we're battling a spiritual battle in our mind. The Bible tells us in Psalm 73 that the wicked that Asaph was envious of spoke. With this accent. Look at verse 8. They, that's the wicked, scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and they find no fault in them. And they say, the wicked do, How can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Now, let me give you some real practical idea about how to I, distinguish this voice. Of the enemy. If if you're in a place today of making a decision and you want to know God's will, you're desiring to know his plan for your life, and you're at that crossroad making that decision right now. Let me share with you something that I believe is so true. God will never take you in a direction that creates or adds to confusion. Amen. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be uncertainty. How many of you know a life of faith includes some uncertainty? Sometimes we think peace means no uncertainty. Peace and uncertainty are next-door neighbors sometimes. You with me? Sometimes we can have the peace of God ruling in our heart, but we still have some uncertainty. But it's a different kind of uncertainty than the enemy would come. If we confuse God's order of things, it's not God speaking. Amen. If it puts our desires ahead of God's plan, it's not God. If it questions what God has already said, it's not God. God. If we are competing against God, God's not in that. The apostle said it this way to the Corinthian church, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Confusion will involve uncertainty that leads away from God, but faith will also create uncertainty, but it will lead us to God. Confusion is the hallmark of the enemy's voice. One leads to isolation, the other leads to peace. Now, it's not hypothetical for me. It's been something I've battled with most of my adult life. Maybe you have too. I remember the first time as, as a young adult that this confusion really came home to affect me. I was 22 years old or so. I was a senior in, in college. Everybody's doing the math right now, 52. And so <laughs> as a senior, I was wrapping up my bachelor degree in psychology at Washington University in St. Louis. And I, I loved being a part of the campus and the community there. I had a great time in college. And a- as I was going through a class my last semester of my senior year at WashU. It was an abnormal psychology class. And I just want to make a qualifier. What I'm about to share with you, I'm not saying that psychology created it. I'm not saying that. My degree is in psychology. I believe in that. I believe there's some benefit to it. I believe in therapy. I'm not, I'm not, you know, nailing psychology and therapy. That's not my point at all. I'm just giving you a historical reference. I was taking an abnormal psychology class, and we looked at all the dysfunction that can occur and the abnormal things that can be produced from. Uh, dysfunction within, within the mind and the, the intellect of an individual and just case histories and even exhibits and things that just were, were really wild to look at and think about and learn about. And I remember in 1992, it was, it was May, really at the end of the term, I was in a class in the building that is right, not tall enough, there. I was in that building, in a lecture hall, in the abnormal psychology class. We got done with the lecture, and as the lecture was concluding and the professor was about to let us go, it started in my mind. I'm not trying to be like real melodramatic, it just, it started in my mind, and the only word I can use to describe what was happening in my mind was one of confusion. Again, I'm not suggesting the class began it started, I'm just saying what was happening in my mind, confusion. But I do remember what was in my mind, what I was thinking about as that confusion settled on me. I was thinking things about my faith. Things like, what you're doing doesn't matter. God, God's not interested in what's going on. There's more that you don't know, Todd. The whole Christian thing, it doesn't really matter. And over and over and over, it played in my mind. This is all happening at the end of a lecture, over and over. And I don't mind telling you, I got to the point where I was absolutely almost putting my hand over my head because it was so much in my mind. I was utterly confused, and I would try hard to block it out. I remember shaking my head, and nothing was helping. I remember leaving that building with all that going on up here, walking down this sidewalk right here, all the way to Brookings Quadrangle. That's what this is right here. Walking through, I walked right through that right there. Big old another rectangle here. I was making my way to the parking lot over here where my 1988 Ford Escort was sitting. I made it to my car. I got in the car and I shut the door and my head felt like it was about to explode. God doesn't care. It's been a waste. God doesn't know where you are. He doesn't care. I remember turning the ignition starting down the road on the perimeter of the campus. I got about halfway back to my apartment and I stopped and pulled off the side of the road and stopped, turned my hazards on, and literally sat in my driver's seat with my hand on my head battling what was going on in my head. If someone had walked into the area, gotten in the car, they would see a guy with his hand on his head just silently working through it. Pastor, I don't know exactly how it all happened, but I do remember in the midst of the confusion. I remember a part of the mind reached back to something I had heard as a kid all my life growing up in a Christian home. And I remember my mother and my father saying, Todd, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor and glorify God in your body. And just at that little part of it reached back and I grabbed a hold of that in my mind and I shoved it into the thought bubble that was so crowded right then. And I reached back and I specifically remember hearing in my mind There is no weapon that's going to prosper coming against you in the name of Jesus. And I grabbed that and I put that in the thought bubble. And now there's major warfare going on in my mind. But the more I reached back and tried to replace the confusion with certainty from the past, something began to change. Something began to revolutionize in my life. No more was the confusion holding me like it was. But when I planted the truth of God's voice. In my mind, something came, and God brought freedom in the midst of the road. God brought freedom in the car, and I was set free from the confusion, confusion of Jesus. Jesus did a work. Satan brought confusion, but Jesus brought peace. There is a spiritual attack that can come against us, and it can be so confusing when we listen to the enemy's voice, but God wants us To be set free. Amen. I remember doing something crazy at the end of that episode. I had finally got some relief. And I I looked back in the back seat. After saying things out loud in the car. I'm a child of God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He's overcome the world over and over. I remember looking in the back seat. There's no one back there. Except Satan. Because he'd sit in the back seat, he wasn't in the front seat, he's in the back seat. And I remember doing something crazy. I got done thinking the good things, and the peace was starting to come. And I reached back to the driver's side passenger door, and I undid the the latch, and I cracked the door just a little bit, because it was his time to vacate the car. And I said out loud, Pastor, I said out loud, All right, Satan. I literally said out loud. All right, Satan. Out you go. And I waited because I'm a gentleman. (laughs) I waited for him to slither on out the car. I pulled the door shut. And with peace in my heart, I drove back to my apartment. Now, you may say, Todd, that sounds a little crazy. Listen, when you're in the midst of the confusion you know what peace feels like. You know what it's like when God replaces what was confusing with his, his words settled in heaven. You know what that's like. The word of God brings that to us. We can compare things. It's natural. We do it with our voice. The adversary can seek to confuse us. It's what he, his accent is all about. I think there's another third voice, and Asaph tells us there is, and that is the voice of God himself. Look at verse 13 of Psalm 73. Asaph had gotten to a place of depression and trouble and weariness. And in verse 13, he makes a shocking statement about his own life. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. He was flat, tired. Of all of the voice. But please city hills. Don't stop reading. With verse 16. We did a moment ago. But now keep reading. It was a wearisome task. Until. Everyone say until. Until. I went into the sanctuary of God. Then. I discerned. Their end. There is something. About the house of God. There is something called perspective that comes in the presence of God. Maybe you're like me and there have been times in your life when you have brought into City Hills confusion or comparison and you literally have brought it in your mind into church and you place yourself on a seat in the sanctuary and it's a battle that nobody sees but you. And if everyone looked at you, they would think everything's great. Everything's awesome. But if there was a way to turn back the page just a little bit and see what was going on in your mind, you would be like me. You would be fighting the whole morning going to church. I've been there. I've been there. And we sit down. And it's a battle. battle. And nobody knows... And we try to lift our hand, but when we lift our hand, we feel guilty because there's a battle. And when we stand up, it feels like we got a lot of weight on our hearts, a lot of weight on our life. But then the worship team begins singing about the love of Jesus. The worship team begins leading us into the presence of God. Our pastor reminds us that the best is straight ahead. And if you're anything like me, sometimes the confusion and the things you brought into church, when you get in the presence of God, there's something that happens and the load begins to lift just a little bit. Let me tell you what the hallmark of God's voice is. The hallmark of God's voice is perspective. Never underestimate the power of one Sunday in the presence of God. There's a lot of reasons to be very faithful to the house of God, and one of them is the perspective that comes from the voice of God speaking into our life. Asaph said, I was weary. I couldn't quite understand. It was too much for me to understand. In fact, I thought my ladder was leaning against the wrong wall until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then verse 18 says the same word that he said in verse 1. When that happened, truly, God, I understand now you set them in slippery places. You made them fall to their ruin. Nevertheless, he says in verse 23, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. I want someone in City Hills to know what Asaph said in verse 24. God, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you receive me to glory. I want someone else to know this today. Your flesh and your heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God's voice will lift us up just a little bit higher and bring us out of the confusion and out of the comparison and he wants to speak that way to us. He will do it. He will do it. God speaks with an accent of perspective. God has a way in the horizontal uh, scrum of our life, in the battle and the struggle, in the presence of God to lift us up vertical just enough so we can see the bigger picture. I wonder today, If you possibly are here, and the battle is rough, I, I, I want to be real clear, everybody. Please hear me. I, I'm, I'm not, honestly, I'm not trying to em- emotionally manipulate anybody by asking this or saying this. I'm really not. But I wonder if you're here and you're struggling. Comparing. Because it's so easy to do. It's so easy to lose the joy. Gosh, that's easy. Maybe you're confused. It's so easy to get confused. I wonder if you're here today and you're walking through that battle and you came to church that way. I've got something to encourage you. It's not something fancy that I say. It's just God's voice. God is with you. Please hear me. God has not left you. In fact, Asaph said it right. He's continually with me. So, are you here today? We're going to bow our heads, please, everyone. But I am going to honestly ask are you here today and you're struggling? The voices are there, you hear them, but you want more than anything else to hear the clear, pure voice of God. If you're here today and your heads are bowed, would you just, so I can see you, would you just just slip a hand up and say, Todd, that's me, that's where I'm at. I, I need and want to hear the voice of God as our heads are bowed and your hands are up, if you responded a moment ago, keep the hand up, please. Everyone else, all our heads are bowed. No one's looking around. For only the people who your hands are up, just the people who your hands are up, would you look up at the stage just for a moment? I want to say to you, God's with you. God hasn't left you is with you God's present right there and right there he's right there he knows the struggle he knows he knows the voice that's trying to mess you up God knows he hears the voice that you're reaching out to him with. he hears you there's freedom of God there's perspective there's hope and it becomes possible because of Jesus all over the church sanctuary this morning I'd like us all to stand everybody would you stand up with me I'd love for you to take that hand maybe that was up a moment ago or even if it wasn't slip a hand up to the Lord And I'd love for you to say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice. I need to know your voice. I don't want to be confused anymore. I don't want to keep comparing anymore. I want to know and hear and identify your voice. As I read the scriptures this week, Lord, speak to me through your word. As I meet together in my groups, let something be said that, parallels what the word of God has spoken. Let it speak into my heart. In the week ahead, Lord, let things happen in such a way that it's clear your voice is speaking to me. I pray, Lord, you'll help us to see the perspective that comes through Jesus Christ alone. Thank you, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters at City Hills, Lord. I pray if they need to be set free in their minds from the adversary, they would be set free. They would know you in the power of purity. Your thinking, Lord, would be right before you as they understand who you are and know your voice. I pray you'll do that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing again in just a moment, but if you believe with me that the Lord hears that prayer from us, from our voice, and in turn, he's going to reply back to us through the scriptures, through people in our life, his voice of peace and stability and perspective. If you really believe that with me, I'd love for you one last time to say thank you to God by clapping your hands to the Lord and saying, thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We believe you're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit CityHillsTX.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.